My name is Kent, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I never get sick of hearing the Christmas story. Can you hear the same story over and over again? So this is the third time I've heard all this tonight, and it's still amazing. So thank you, Leah, for leading us in worship and for helping us reconsider the story of Christmas. I'm also a sucker for kids' Christmas pageants. Anybody else like to watch little kids put on the Christmas show? I... I'm always amazed at their kind of sweet innocence and their cute little expressions and, you know, the bathrobe-clad shepherds and preschool kids with, like, cotton balls on their head to be sheep and that mean old innkeeper every year telling Mary and Joseph, there's no room in the inn. I just never get sick of hearing that. And I'm also curious about what kids might actually be thinking when they're hearing the Christmas story or telling the Christmas story. So every once in a while, someone will turn me on to kind of a new version that kind of causes me to look at it in a little different way. So someone sent me a video this week of a kid's Christmas perspective um, perspective on Christmas, and I wanted you to see their thoughts too. So go ahead and show us that little video. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what, I can't, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary... And Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, The only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, A new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise man heard about it. And then a star appeared. We should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think... He probably pooped. 
because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world. Is that kind of how you remember the story going? Okay. can never hear enough versions of the story um, about this baby who changes the world. I mean, there's just an, an immense fascination with his coming and the difference that that makes. So you might have your own favorite versions of the story. One of my favorite versions is Charlie Brown's A Christmas Story. And I'm actually hooked by that version from the very first line. Here's the first thing Charlie Brown says. He says, I think there must be something wrong with me Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Have you ever been there, getting ready for Christmas, and you, it's not quite, I'm ready? I don't feel right? Charlie Brown goes on to say, I just don't understand Christmas. I guess I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. And Linus, his pal, has been standing there as he's been giving this little speech, patiently listening to him, and he suggests that Charlie Brown is the only person who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. He says, maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. But I give credit, uh, Linus credit because he does hang in there for the rest of this special, and he helps Charlie Brown understand the meaning of Christmas. And he helps me understand the meaning of Christmas. And the one part of the story that really gets me is when Linus goes out onto the stage and he reads that simple story from Luke chapter 2. And he just gives it in his little simple Linus voice. And the point where I always really am uh, touched is the point where he talks about the angel's announcement. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is Christ the Lord. And when I hear him give that part of the story, I'm like thinking, yeah, this story about a baby changes the world. And it's good news. It brings joy. And it seems like in this story, Charlie Brown needed joy. But I know that there's times when I need joy. Anybody here ever need joy? Ever need some good news? I think this is what the story, why the story is so attractive. And we need good news because every day... The reality of the world presses in on us with bad news, right? If we're honest, there's brokenness all around it. I mean, we look at the world and everybody knows the world is broken, right? We know something needs to be done. I think that's why we hear so often this phrase, change the world or let's change the world. And there's actually been some interesting studies done on this. In 2010, someone looked up how many times someone wrote the phrase, change the world, and they found that there was over 15,000 instances in 2010 of someone writing about changing the world. If you go backwards 100 years to 1910, there was less than 100 times when someone wrote about it. And if you fast forward to today, you could Google the phrase, change the world, and about 38 hundredths of a second, you'd get 470 million references to change the world. The world is broken, and we know it. And we long for it to be different, don't we? There's this gap, and the gap is between 
what is and what should be. There's a gap between reality and what we hope for. This is what Charlie Brown's Christmas talks about, and we all know that this happens not just at Christmas time, you who have come from dysfunctional family gatherings or are headed to dysfunctional family gatherings. I went after the last service up to several families and I looked them straight in the face and I said, I wasn't talking about your family when I was talking about dysfunction. And all of them said, oh yeah, you could have been. It's our family. We're dysfunctional. We know that we want something different than what is, right? We can imagine what that looks like. And this actually is a motivational idea that there's a gap because it causes us to then want to make a change or to work toward a change. And people do this in different ways. Some people will really get engulfed in their career, in their job, their occupation. They say, if I just work really hard, then I can make the world a better place. And they become consumed in that. Other people uh, want to change the world by like getting the latest stuff, the latest gadget. In fact, I think this explains why there's long lines at Walmart during Christmas, because there's a number of people thinking, if we just get the right stuff, we can make the world a better place. We can narrow that gap between what is and what we long for. Other people try to narrow that gap by love. If I can just find the right person, if I can have the right relationship, that will change the gap and it will change from what is to what should be. Well, we know that all these things actually don't work very well. And in fact, rather than cleaning up the mess, they actually tend to contribute to the mess. We make it worse rather than better. And if you ever wonder about this is true, just think about some simple examples. I'm thinking of the gap between the desire to be healthy and versus unhealthy. If I want to narrow the gap, I know that if I want to narrow the gap between health and unhealth, I need to eat right, I need to exercise regularly, and I need to get good sleep. I know those three things. Do I do that? No, because I love Christmas cookies. So I stuff my face when I know this is not narrowing the gap. It's actually making my life more messy. Now, if we have a problem with something even as simple as that, what about bigger messes? What about this? We want a world with less violence and more peace. We want a world with less poverty and more flourishing. We want a world with less anger and more patience. We want a world with less injustice and more fairness, less grief, more joy, less judgment, more grace. We would like a world like that. Can we narrow the gap between what is and what should be? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Do you know who wants this world to be less messy even more than you do? God. God would like a world that's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, a world of grace. And so, God decided, if that's going to happen, I'm going to have to come down there and do it myself. And so, we celebrate the birth of a baby born in a manger who's come to narrow the gap between what is and what should be, who's come to fix what is broken. And the Bible talks about this in all different ways. One of the most vivid ways it talks about it is like light shining in darkness. 
We can all imagine dark corners in our lives where we could use a little bit more light. We can imagine dark corners in our world where there could be a little bit more light. The Bible says that God sent light. He sent his son to be life and light. And then it makes this interesting promise. It says that the darkness cannot overcome the light. And then it makes this beautiful description of the time when this light came. It said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about God showing up in this world, a baby born in a manger to shine light into the darkness, to narrow the gap between what is and what should be. Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, we catch glimpses of what this light shining in darkness might look like. We catch glimpses of this by following what happened to that baby as he grew. So as this baby grew, Jesus became a man. And we see that wherever he went, he proclaimed the truth about God. We see that he fed the hungry. He healed the sick. Those who were lame walked. Those who were blind could see. This Jesus did everything that God expected him to do. He was obedient in every way, and yet he was condemned to die. And he went to a cross, and he was nailed to that cross, and he died, and he was buried, and then three days again, he rose again. The Bible talks about this thing that Jesus did as a kingdom coming near, God's kingdom coming near. This is what we hope for, isn't it? We still pray about it. Even today, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see that this kingdom broke in and came near to us when that baby was born in a manger. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. We learn about this when we look at the life of Jesus and it feels like the gap is narrowing so that what should be is happening more and more often. We see a world where things are repaired that have been broken, where things that are not reconciled become reconciled, where things that are not healed become healed, things that are not whole become whole. We see God's kingdom breaking in. This is really good news because we recognize it has the ability to change everything, to change every thought, every attitude, every action, every behavior. And we're invited into that kingdom to be able to live that kingdom so that all that is wrong will one day be set right so that the world can be changed. Now, doesn't that sound like a pretty good gift? Wouldn't that be a great gift to receive on Christmas? Better than my two front teeth and a hippopotamus combined, I think. I get lots of Christmas letters, and one came a couple days ago that really caught my eye. This is from someone who's part of our community here, part of our congregation, and this is how she started her letter. She said this, Every year, it seems harder and harder to feel the magic of Christmas that was so evident when I was younger. I'm not sure if I have become cynical in my years or just more in touch with reality. She's becoming in touch with this gap between what is and what should be. Here's the reality, she says. Life is full of rough days, stress, loss, grieving, work, illness, tight schedules, kids, and we all have more we could add to this list. 
a gap between what is and what should be. But she has a solution in her letter, and her solution was joy. And I was looking for her to say tidings of great joy, but she didn't use that expression, but she could have. She actually referred to a song that we sing this time of year. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Diminish this gap. Shrink this gap between what is and what should be. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns, and He rules the world with truth and grace. And that brings joy, a joy that can shine into darkness every day, even when there's a gap in our life. A Charlie Brown's Christmas has been showing for 52 years now. And uh, when it was first produced, it was, it was, I guess, frantically put together, and there was a lot of questions when it was first screened. People thought, this is a disaster. Nobody wants to watch a Christmas special about a bald-headed pessimist trying to take care of a pitiful little tree. Nobody wants to see this. And yet, when it first showed, the first night it showed, it actually set a record for the most number of viewers at that time ever to watch a single show on a single night. And later, it actually proved to be an award-winning production, and even now it's celebrated as kind of a masterpiece, like a gold standard for how you do Christmas specials. And the reason, most people speculate, is quite simple. It's because... I'm Charlie Brown, and so are you. And if we're honest, we know that every day there's a gap between what is and what should be, and that gap doesn't go away at Christmas. In fact, sometimes it gets worse when you're spending time with your dysfunctional family. And we long for something more. Charlie Brown's Christmas refuses to hide behind a lie between flashy lights and all this special seasonal stuff. It instead chooses to tell the truth that there is a possibility for joy even in a reality that's not the way we want it. And it comes with this announcement. Behold, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And because that Savior was born, there's a possibility for light to shine into every darkness. Every darkness in my heart, every darkness in your heart, every darkness throughout this whole world. And that light shining in the darkness brings us joy. Now I want you to keep thinking about that for just a few more minutes. And so we put together another little song and a little video for you to watch to reflect. And maybe as you're watching this, you can think about Where in your life would you like to see a little more light shining in the darkness? Let's watch the video. I don't know what Christmas story is your favorite version, but it seems to me if it's the biblical story of Christmas, they all kind of come to the same point, which is that baby has arrived, and because the baby has arrived, there's light available to shine into the darkness. And uh, we commemorate that on Christmas Eve with candlelight services where we think the simple act of lighting a candle is 
kind of an act of defiance, saying, you know, even though my life might still have dark spots, I think God can shine a light there. Even though the world is not just as it should be, we know that God is moving the world in that direction. So we take the light of the Christ candle and we pass it from person to person, believing that this is a way for us to kind of stand in defiance to the darkness and to kind of shore up our hope. So as you receive the light and then pass the light on tonight, maybe you can make that kind of a personal uh, statement and a statement of uh, hope in the midst of whatever darkness you might have that there is uh, a place for the light to shine.